welcome back. This is the Multipod. It's nice to be back here with you. My name's Ted. With me is Vanessa. How are you doing today? I'm good, despite having a couple technical difficulties today <laughs> with my internet and things, which is fun when you're doing a podcast internationally over the internet. <laughs> That's right, because our guest today is coming to us live from Germany. We're very, very excited to have Dee yeah. with us. Dee, how are you doing today? Great. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, there's so much here to talk about. I don't know how much we're going to get through in like the next 30, 40 minutes. But if you haven't seen Dee's profile yet in the Puttyverse, check it out. I mean, there's so much fascinating stuff. We might talk about um, queer issues, queer identity, travel, third culture kids, food, um, palliative care, death. Um, what else? On and on. Like there's so many <laughs> things here. <laughs> that is such a multi-potentialite list and I love it. <laughs> Oh, and of course, lingerie. Lingerie, this is, the, right. I, I think, your latest thing. Um, uh, body positive fetish lingerie uh, in particular. So we'll talk about that for sure. And, and maybe business entrepreneur stuff, you know, related to that. So, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm up for all of those. <laughs> Sweet. What? Uh, how did you discover the Puttyverse? What brought you to the group? Well, I think I'd seen Emily's TED Talk a while back, but it never occurred to me that that might be me. And it was years later, and I think maybe two months ago, that, I don't know, I, I posted something in a group. I was actually looking for fellow TCK friends, third culture kid friends, and somehow we got down the rabbit hole of, you know, what kind of person are you? And somebody suggested, hey, check out this. I think this might resonate with you. Um, and it did. So here <laughs> I am. So yeah, I mean, that was just uh, beginning of November, like we're talking here, it's the end of November, so it hasn't been that long. And um, have you kind of dived right in? What do you think so far? I really like it. I mean, I think the community is warm, it's welcoming, there's lots going on. It was it was a little overwhelming when I first became a member, but I realized a couple of weeks in, it's it's totally doable. Like now I've got a little overview and, you know, I feel quite comfy now. It can be a little overwhelming when you first join. Um, I still get a little overwhelmed, like scrolling through the forum and having a lot going on in my life and being like, these are such great discussions. I just don't have time to write a really thoughtful response. <laughs> so I've mm. been lurking a lot lately, just reading and stuff. Are there some uh, groups that you've joined too in particular that have piqued your interest? Yeah, I think I have a problem a lot of new people have where they're like, I just want to join every group. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I joined. What did I join? The coaches group, the spiritual group. I think the the body movement group, the language group. I think the food group. Is there a food group? I think there is. I think so. Yeah. I don't even remember the others, but I think I joined <laughs> half the groups, and that was literally me trying to contain myself. <laughs> nice. I see that um, on your profile on the verse that you only found out recently that you're a scanner. What does that mean? Well, I go by the definition of Barbershop because that's, I guess, where the term comes from. And that's mm -hmm. literally the only book I've ever read on anything multi-potentiality. But I think uh, to me, it's someone driven by a lot of interests, um, generally someone who is more interested in learning mm -hmm. and tends to have quite a broad spectrum of interests as well. Mm -hmm. And it goes beyond, I think, sort of, you know, the person who has a job and then has a hobby on the side. It's more yeah. like... Three jobs and 50 hobbies <laughs> on the side. Yeah. Which I think a lot of multipotentialites can relate to, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then figure out how to juggle it all, put it all yeah. together, right? 
And it's sometimes it's not always just a job and hobbies. It's also just other things in life. Like lately, I'm overwhelmed just by running errands, you know, (laughs) there's just so many things to do. So yeah. Anyway, I was just curious what your uh, what you thought about being a scanner. Well, so far, I'm loving it. Now that I've accepted it, I'm loving it. Nice. Now, I'm trying to figure out where you're from originally, because you're in Germany now. You were saying you've been there for about 12 years. Yeah, 12 to 13 yeah. years. I am German, actually, half German. Okay. Me too. Hello. Oh, you are? <laughs> I oh. am, yeah. What are you doing all the way over there? Oh, gosh, it's a long story. Um, <laughs> my mother is German, and I, uh, my dad went to Germany for like 15 years, and that's where I met my mom. So he's fluent in German, but he's American. And now I'm in Canada. So I feel like every little part of my life is like multi-potentiality somehow. <laughs> Because I'm all over the place. Um, but this episode is not about me. So I would love to hear your... Yeah. How are, how are you half German? What's your story? Oh, well, I hear you. Because um, I feel a bit all over the place too. Um, I'm half German and half Thai. And mm. I grew up mostly in Southeast Asia and Southeast Asia. Hmm. So we moved around a couple of those countries back and forth. I was familiar with Germany as a kid from, you know, visiting family and stuff. But I, I didn't really know Germany until probably my late 20s. So I moved here in my late 20s. And Berlin's been my base. Oh, but before that, yeah, mostly Berlin. Asia. You know, I had, I had kind of a romantic idea of, you know, what Europe is like. And mm-hmm. I think growing up in Laos for the longest period, you know, it was you know, a communist Southeast Asian country. And Germany was kind of the land of plenty, you know, like <laughs> cool things came from there, like books and toys. And yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I still feel a little bit that way, even being in Canada, I actually have a bit of a reverse experience where I went to Germany a lot as a kid and a teenager and had a lot of my formative years in Germany just visiting, we'd go for sometimes a month at a time because my parents could, and uh, my grandparents were there and everything. And now it's been since 2013, I haven't been to Germany. So I feel like now I'm yeah. losing my connection a little bit, which is really sad. So I'm trying to figure out how to foster that up again. So that's interesting. I would love to talk more about that sometime. We'll have to keep in touch. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, one thing we talked about doing in this show is the German episode. That's true. So D, you'd be welcome to participate in that too. What's the German episode? <laughs> We're not even sure yet. I don't exactly. know. Just speaking German, I guess. Something in German. <laughs> I'm game. <laughs> so I'm curious, did you learn German growing up from your whichever German parent? Yeah, I did. So thankfully, I speak without an accent. So I got all that, you know, got in there early yeah. enough. And um, Same. <laughs> my parents also sent me where possible, it wasn't always possible um, to German school or German classes, like some, nice. some of the larger international schools would have a German program. So they put me in there hmm. if it was available. Yeah. Very cool. So that's definitely been helpful. Nice. Do you see yourself staying there, you know, indefinitely then at this point, or you might you move on to somewhere else eventually? Oh, I'm so ready to move on, but okay. Corona <laughs> and stuff, you know, um, that kind of nipped it all in the butt. Not that I had plans, but I've definitely been feeling the itch to leave. I've hmm. I've always been very transient, you know. I think since I was a kid, I don't remember staying in one place mm-hmm. all that long. Generally about two or three years. I think the longest was a period of stable kind of eight years, but that was literally the only stable period. And I miss that, I have to say. I mean I think 
I think, I don't know, in psychology and stuff, I think there's this idea that uprooting kids is not good. But mm. I had completely the opposite experience. I loved it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, maybe it depends on the kid and the person they become, I guess, I suppose. But, uh, you know, you could say that as adults, some people love to travel and love to explore and, and have that spontaneity and not be attached. A lot of multipotentialites probably like that. You know, we do talk a lot about travel in this show and it shows up a lot in the group. Um, so maybe we respond well to that. But of course, there's lots of other people. It's like, you know, they're very, very content being home in the same bed and their house and, you know, from to the day they die kind of thing. And that's fine. And, you know, maybe they go on a, on a quick vacation, but that's different from a lot of us who like to either like travel long-term, slow travel or, or yeah, really move. Like, um, we've talked about that third culture kids and that kind of exposure too, you know, on this show, um, in the past. And so, uh, it's interesting how that kind of intertwines with multi-potentialites, I guess, in their experience. I'm actually curious, this third culture phrase, I feel like I've heard it before, but never really understood. Is it that you are like a child of immigrants or what exactly is the definition of that? It's been a long time since I really kind of did any reading up on it. But what it's always meant to me is... Um, it's a completely different identity or yeah, culture that's created that is independent of, let's say, your um, cultural heritage from your parents, but also is not the culture that you live in or the cultures that you live in. Hmm. And it's something that is, it's an identity that's created among people who have that experience of not really belonging. Hmm. And yeah, just not having that heritage, um, say biologically or, you know, from their parents, nor of the places they live. So it's like neither here nor there and they make their own. Yeah. I can really relate to that. Like having a German parent, an American parent growing up in the States, going to Germany a lot, ending up in Canada eventually, it's like... Canada is probably the place that I feel the most um, similar to the people around me for some reason, because um, I go to Germany and I have a German identity, but it's not the same as a German identity as somebody living in Germany, grew up in Germany, went to school in Germany, works in Germany. It's a very, it's like a tangential German identity. It's very, um, it's hard to explain. So the fact that like this really resonates with me. So I'm like, hmm, something to explore there. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And I've always kind of thought like I was kind of born into a bit of a tumultuous situation. And so I always feel like that's just kind of how my life has unfolded. Not tumultuous, but just multifaceted. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, I'm just like, wow, I'm learning things about myself on this podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. You remember we did that episode with Lisa, her in the party verse is TCK, TCK Lisa, who's a third culture kid. Yeah. That was uh, almost two years ago. I was in January 2021. It was episode 71. And we talked uh, quite a bit about the third culture kid identity. And, you know, you don't choose it. You're born into it, right? And then you have yeah. to kind of navigate your way through it as a result. Mm. So interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. Well, I'm curious, what are you up to now? So you're actually, I want to go back to you saying that you are ready to move on from Germany. <laughs> Where would be the next place you'd want to go? Yeah. That's the thing. I don't really know, but it would have to be warm. So that is the main mm. criterion right now. But 
yeah, I, before Corona, I, I really wanted to leave and I was ready to, and I, I still am, I would still welcome it, but I've got a new project now. And so that kind of requires me to stay. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure because it's kind of a big project. It's very ambitious and I have no idea if it's in any way realistic, but I would love to study medicine mm. and it makes sense to do it in Germany, right? Education is free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you get in and to get in, you have to have perfect grades, not even very good grades. They have to be perfect. And I'm considering doing high school again to get myself some perfect grades to maybe get into med school. Yeah. And then like spend another like what, 13 years studying medicine. It's a Mm. long term project. Well, I'll tell you, my dad that's the reason he was in Germany. He went to medical school. He went to Heidelberg. Uh, he went to a couple different places, but Heidelberg was his big sort of place that he was. 15 years. So wow. <laughs> I, you when you say that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> I could get you guys in touch with each other, but that was like, oh my gosh, the 70s when he started or something. So it's probably changed, but yeah. <laughs> it probably has, but you know, great to hear that, you know, There are people who do it. Oh, yeah. He also started without knowing much German at all. So. (laughs) Oh, kudos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how he did it. But anyway. Wow. So if you feel like maybe it feels really hard or you can't do it, like, I don't know. I think you can. Well, I think one thing that I really appreciate about the putty verse is that I think it's a place where you can share dreams as crazy as they might sound and no yeah. one's going to be poo-pooing you for it, you know? So um, true. Like, I'll tell them, you know, like, I'm I'm pushing 40 and I want to study for another 15 more years and everybody <laughs> else outside the verse that I tell this to, they're like, you know, are you sure? <laughs> Is this really what you want to do? Aren't there other ways to get to the same goal can't you study nursing? And they do the math. Yeah, they do exactly. the math in their head, and they're like, "But that means you would be, you know, <laughs> exactly that's unrealistic." Yeah, but it's like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, they're like, "But you'll be over 50. Oh no, it's like your <laughs> life ends at forty. Apparently, okay. I know. And I'm like, as a multipot, if I can work in medicine for I don't know until I retire at what seventy, I'd be lucky if I'm interested in that for fifteen years. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably do the degree, do it for two years, and then move on to something else. Hmm. I'm curious, then, what what do you think might lead you to make that commitment to go back to medical school? I mean, and knowing that if you're going to kind of see it through and achieve the ultimate objective, it's going to take that long. It's going to take close to 15 years. I think it's um, because I would find the process worthwhile. Because I feel like the things I learn on the way are things I'm interested in, you know, so I'm not working for, you know, 15 years towards an end goal and only the end goal will determine whether that time has been worthwhile. Like I'm actually uh-huh. interested. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll just go back to high school, do another two years and just see what the kids these days are learning. You know, I mean, <laughs> things have changed since I went to high school. Yeah. Um, and then if I get in, right, it's a big if, because True. getting perfect grades is like you have to put some level of effort. And I haven't been in school for like 20 years. Mm. But 
I think medicine is, is just, it's one of those skills that I don't think it really gets old. Like it doesn't expire. You know, I think the body generally still works the way it works. Sure, there are new insights, but you know, even if I quit after, you know, half of those years, half of those 15 years, I'll still have a lot of knowledge that's useful mm -hmm. and yeah. important and that I'm interested in. Well, and just because you, like, if you never got the degree, doesn't mean you can't use that knowledge that you've gained and those credits that you have earned to do something related. You know, you'll have a background either way. Yeah, okay, maybe you won't be able to be a surgeon or a doctor and go like practice medicine, but there's other related things like the health field is huge. So, yeah. Yeah. It's transferable. That's the word I'm looking for. Definitely, mm -hmm. definitely transferable. And I think that was one of the other things that I like about medicine like um, I can use it internationally and it builds a foundation from which you can branch off into so many different topics. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I chose medicine because as a multipotentialite, I need a basis that can take me to many different places. I want to be able to travel with it. And that's why I can't study something like law because that's, you know, leaves you mostly tethered to the place you're learning yes, it for. Yes, that's so true. Yeah. But medicine, like who doesn't know what the, f the doctor is? <laughs> 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 I love that. That's awesome. Can I ask then, is the perhaps particular motivation or specialization, the interest in palliative care and end of life care, is that what's driving the initial thought of doing this? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm a death doula. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the other reason why I'm definitely choosing to pursue this, right? Because you know what they say, um, on your deathbed, you regret the things you didn't do and the things you didn't try for. Yeah. So even if this does not work out at all, and I just do two years of high school and never get in, I tried. So that's important. But yeah, um, I'm definitely interested in specializing in that area. And I'm especially interested in the yeah, end of life care, but also psychedelics. Mm. And yeah. And the reason that I want to study medicine to be a doctor and not something else in the medical field is that doctors will be the only ones who can prescribe stuff, psychiatrists particularly, I think. And that's where I want to go. That's where I see the future. That's what I find exciting. And I'm willing to put 15 years into it. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about how you said you're ready to move on and you want to go somewhere warm. Uh, isn't Portugal the place that decriminalized all the psychedelics and other types of, I, I guess, drugs is the word? <laughs> that is very true. Yes, yeah. I, you're absolutely right. And I was eyeing Portugal, I have to say. I do like it a lot. Mm. I think I'm just thinking, why didn't I choose to go there? But I think it's because if I, if I study anywhere outside of Germany, it's um, there's study fees involved. And mm. Right. Right. Even yeah. as an EU citizen, I'm assuming you've got the passport in Germany, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah, even then. Yeah, it mm -hmm. probably just depends on the country, right? Because you can be from, I don't know, Portugal and go to Germany, and then I don't think you have to actually pay. Like, there might be some small fees, but you're not paying tuition, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine where you go. from here, from Quebec in Canada, went and did his master's in Germany for two years, and it was it was paid for. I always have wondered why I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> here I am with student debt. But, you know, I'm not, I don't regret coming to Canada and going to school in Canada. I had an amazing experience. So mm. I, I can't, whatever. <laughs> it's can't, not like you can You can't be on go. your deathbed and be like, oh, I wish I hadn't, you know. 
Yeah. But no, it's a good point and a valuable lesson that we're learning. You're never too old. It's never too late. I mean, at least in theory. And 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 this is just it. It's the it's not about the objective. I mean, yeah, you have you do get a piece of paper or something that facilitates things, but it's the journey. It's you're, mm-hmm. you're doing, especially a, a long commitment and education like that to ideally enjoy each day and each thing that you learn and just be immersed in that moment. And then the outcome, the objective, is kind of the cherry on top, I guess. You know, if you get there, but you don't want to feel pressured that you have to get there because. As we've heard, there's a pretty reasonable chance that you won't for a whole number of reasons, and that doesn't destroy the whole thing. It's still worth it for however much time, whether it's a few days or a few years, you know, as you're on that journey of learning of that education in this example. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, just because I've set myself on a 15-year path Hmm. doesn't mean I have to go through with it. I'm totally allowed to do the first year of med school and be like, nah, I don't like Mm -hmm. it, you know, but that's when I move on. And so nothing's set in stone. We had a discussion a little bit about that in the Puttyverse recently about um, school in particular and like, when do you quit? When do you keep going? How do you learn about all the things without having to go into debt? And how do you, that question of how do you learn on a higher level without limiting yourself, I think is kind of what the conversation was. And I was thinking about it and I was like, well, you know, for a little while, I did my second degree in communication and for a couple years after kind of looked back and was like, why did I do that? I finished and I got the diploma and I did some really cool things that I really enjoyed, but it wasn't 100% what I was kind of hoping to get out of it. It was very theory based. It wasn't very like practical. But then a couple more years down, you know, went by and I went, actually, I don't regret it at all because in the moment, I really enjoyed it. I learned things that I thought were really cool. I got to do things that I thought were really fascinating. I got to explore topics that I might never have explored. So yeah, okay. Like, And it did get me a job in communication, a more practical, quote unquote, job in communication. So in the end, it's fine. <laughs> but you know, you, you can't just like sit there and go and regret too much, you know? Yeah, I agree. And the thing is, you know, like my grandma used to say, you never know what it's going to be good for. Mm, totally. Yeah. So true. But it is an interesting question, right? When do we when do we let things go? I don't have the answer, but I just want to say that is an interesting question. It is. It's almost like the existential question for multipotentialite. I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I mean, yeah, we may not have like a direct or uh, concrete answer, but we can still keep exploring it. And that the answer could change too, right? So, yeah. I'd really love to hear a little bit more about your other projects. Like, I'm really curious about your lingerie business, right? Like, it's a full-fledged, you're taking orders and everything, right? Yes, it's a a proper business. I am technically taking orders, but in multi-potentialite fashion, once I made the thing, I lost interest. Uh. (laughs) Ah. Because I, I love the process of setting it up and I wanted to create a product that, you know, is not really available. So I'm, so I focus more on plus size and um, large cup lingerie. And I just noticed there's nothing that's like super sexy out there. Mm. Like a little badass, you know, not just like pretty or like kind of lacy, but like badass. Yeah. So I went all like strappy fake leather, designed the thing, got it made crowdfunded for it basically built the whole thing from scratch i learned how to sew 
which was great. So I, I love that marriage of the, the technical and the creative. Mm-hmm. And I love the process of making an idea reality. Like I love ideas for ideas sake, but if they can find application in the real world, I think that just makes it so much better. And um, yeah, and then I you know set up my web shop and then I put it online. I sold some, well, I sold quite a few, but then I realized that the rest of my job was going to be 90% marketing. And I was just like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of where I lost interest. You know, I didn't want to, I don't know, send out one newsletter after the other, plugging my product. And Is that something you could outsource at least? I suppose I could, but I also realized that the other thing I didn't want to do was just feel compelled to design another collection year after year. I was like, well, I've kind of done it now. And how lingerie works is that you take your, um, your base pattern that works really well, and the way you actually make money is that you produce it in different colors or in different you know iterations, different straps, but it's the same damn thing. And it was the making of the new thing that I really enjoyed, but that was also the most cost intensive. So the way I Mm. wanted to run my business was never going to be profitable. So it's still there, you know, I'm still selling them, but I think I'm phasing that project out in favor of a new one. Well, that's interesting because that goes back to the question of when do you let things go? And there's going to be so many different answers to that question, but one of them could be I just didn't want to do it anymore. Or one of them could be, I realized that the things I had to do to keep it up were not sustainable for me. Like there's so many reasons why people stop doing something (laughs) that are valid. Yeah. I mean, when I did my crowdfunding, I had an investor contact me, like a serious one, not like some bullshit investor. Because I got a lot of spam and stuff too. Because, you know, if you're doing fetish underwear for big boobs, you get get weird people. (laughs) messaging you um this guy was legit and it was really flattering to be just offered investment when I wasn't looking for any but I went on a hunch and I turned it down and I think I was right to do that because I think something in me always knew that this project had a purpose and that I'd already been so close to reaching it and that if I had someone you know who was invested I wouldn't have the freedom to do what I wanted And yeah, technically, like it's his risk, you know, if I run off with with the money and, you know, spend the rest of the time on a beach sipping cocktails, that's one thing. But like, I knew I would feel like I would want to do right by somebody who trusted me. And I just, I didn't really want that because I wanted total freedom over this. And yeah, in the end, I'm glad. And so I think, I think that kind of taught me to definitely listen to my intuition, listen to my body, especially... Like if there is a big yes or a big no, or just the absence of a big yes, you know, I mm-hmm. do tend to interpret that as a no. It's empowering to know that we have the ability to end something on our own terms. You know, it's like in life, so often you lose your job or you're fired or things just come to an end and you didn't plan it, maybe you didn't want it. With our projects here, we often say, you know, I'm done. I've I've achieved enough, maybe all, but at least enough of what we set out to do. There's other things, of course, we want to do. And we make that choice, like, you know, I'm ready to move on to something else. And that's very empowering. Yeah, definitely. I think it can still be a little bit scary, though, um, because we live in a world, we're surrounded by these ideas and beliefs of what is success and what we need to do in order to 
set up our lives um, and and be successful and stable. And I've kind of fallen into that mindset, maybe, because like I decided to abandon running my own business. A lot of it was what you were kind of saying is like, this just isn't working for me. It doesn't really work for my brain. I need other people to I'd have to outsource a lot of things or have a business partner and I just wasn't really willing to go that route and I was like I kind of just want to have a job and a steady paycheck and benefits and whatever and I am glad that I made that decision because in some ways it just works better for the way my brain works um but there are limitations <laughs> and so I have kind of done what society expects of me in a way to, you know, set up my life and set up my family and do the responsible thing. But then there's the limitations of Ted and I were talking about this the other day, traveling can't just pick up and travel, you know, can't just uh, be like, yeah, I don't feel like doing that project today for my boss because I'll get fired, you know, (laughs) like, it's just a completely different experience Mm -hmm. than I've had for the past few years. But at the same time, it's really nice to have that regular paycheck. <laughs> and um, it's just something that I think we as multi-potentialites just really struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. I feel there's a time and place for everything. And from what I know of your choice, Vanessa, like you were ready to get that kind of steady work. And yeah. I don't know if you felt like you were doing something you were supposed to do or following some kind of norms. It made sense. I mean, as you just said, like you, That's you know, fair. you wanted it. And if there's anything, again, it comes back to like control and empowerment and stuff. You don't have to do it forever. I mean, you know, do it as long as you need to. And that might be four or five years and so whatever it is, but it could be longer. But, you know, to know deep down, all of us, that we have that ability and we're not afraid to make the big choices, you know, take a leap because that's often the biggest thing. It's like, you know, you know, you could quit your job or you could start a business yeah. or whatever it is. But a lot of people obviously hesitate to do that. I think multi-potentialites more open to it. It's still scary, but we're more open to taking that leap because we always land on our feet. And in some ways, it is empowering to have a bit more of this structure because I have better pay than I have for the past six years. And that is empowering because it means I can, in some ways, plan better and do more in some ways. I mean, there's always going to be limitations to everything you do. So, yeah. Yeah, And as, you know, as romantic as this idea is of, oh, I'll just, you know, go off and be my own boss and, Mm -hmm. you know, do this and do that and be able to start anything at the drop of a hat. Like there's reality to contend with. And I don't want to pit the two against each other, but certainly the last three years have shown me that a steady paycheck is very important. (laughs) And I'm a realist. You know, I like if someone comes to me with a big ass dream, I will tell them to chase it, but not mm. to the detriment of everything else. Yeah, so true. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. Can I ask what you've been doing for a steady paycheck for the last three years, just out of curiosity? I kind of weaseled through um, <laughs> with some freelance work. I briefly did, um, what do you call it, personal assisting for people with mm. disabilities. Mm. So that was a um, steady paycheck for a while. But other than that, I just really, because you couldn't go out and do very much in the beginning. So I didn't have very high costs. Right. So I just managed to get by. Yeah. (laughs) That feels like the collective world experience of the last three years just managed to get by somehow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask before we wrap it up, have you found anyone to tune your cello yet? (laughs) I have not. I have not. We're putting it Uh, out there. (laughs) Well, I hope I'm still looking. Um, 
I'm also I'm terrified of tuning my cello because I have a tendency to break strings and they're so expensive and right now I can't afford them. Yeah. Really? They're expensive? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. My husband plays guitar and I thought that strings were pretty... But maybe guitar is guitar cheaper. Guitar strings, yeah. But yeah. cello, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, still looking. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll put it out there. You know, anyone listening or nobody it's a, or know somebody, it's obviously a random thing, but it could be done online virtually, I would think. I've shown people how to tune pianos hmm. over the internet. You know, you get a video camera set up and, and just kind of go over it. So <laughs> I, it's possible, at least in theory. It. So is music also a big part of your life too? Um, I hope that it will be. And I think sort of I have a feeling about when I'm going to do things and I have a feeling that this is something I'm going to do after this whole like studying medicine working with psychedelics thing blows over um (laughs) blows over I might not need to wait for that to finish but you know when I'm on a solid track and I feel like I have more space I think music is the next thing and do you play any now no absolutely not I think that was that's (laughs) the reason I'm so keen i can't Mm. read music i can't play a thing but i love the cello always have and um i didn't realize you know a lot of the music i was listening to had cello in it but Mm. i didn't realize it was a cello until it was really recent it's just a couple of years ago i was like oh that's a cello (laughs) nice that's awesome well wow i wish you the best of luck in that if you decide to pursue it i feel like there's lots of resources out there i feel like where you could so that's cool Yeah, something that I'm also super interested in is the concept of a death doula. And I've been toying around with the idea of having a multipod episode because we have the death cafe in the Puttyverse and toying around with the idea of having an episode about it, which is, I don't even know how to say this. It would be a a really important and interesting topic, but it's one that I also really struggle with just in general. (laughs) And there's some history there too. And I... um. I keep coming back to it in my mind to do an episode about it. So Yeah, we should. There's a lot of interest in it, like with the Death Cafes there. Yeah, yeah definitely. That sounds super interesting. Yeah. yeah. I hope it doesn't turn into a therapy session for me because that's like, <laughs> I'd rather, you know, I want to be like fostering communication or conversation and having, exploring questions and stuff. But um, I should start going to the Death Cafes. <laughs> sure. I mean, it depends on the conversation and how it turns out, but I mean, that could be a enlightening kind of yeah. learning experience for all of us, whether it's you or anybody, but just to talk, to make it on a personal level, if someone's comfortable with that, of course, but, you know, we relate to them as a result and put ourselves in their shoes and, you know, we all can relate to someone probably close to us who's died, et cetera, and how to process that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And if you wanted to, we can totally have a chat about it. Yeah, totally. And it's okay if it turns into a therapy session. <laughs> I'm currently training as a psychological and systemic coach and trauma therapist. So you're in good hands. Wow. Oh my gosh, you're doing so many things. I feel like we could do either a two hour episode on everything you're doing or like a bunch of different little episodes on everything you're doing. <laughs> I'm glad you found the Puttyverse because it's like, yeah. this is definitely a place for people like you. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, so am I. Trust me. So am I. Well, are there any particular places where people can find you or follow you or kind of know what you're up to besides the Puttyverse, we like to give people the chance to point out, you know, whether it's Instagram or website or whatever it is, where do people find you elsewhere? So maybe two places. One is my website that still has the bra stuff on it, but I'm also a kink and BDSM coach. So those two go hand in hand and that's peaklingerie.com and that's P-I-Q-U-E lingerie.com. 
Ooh, like it piques your interest. <laughs> yes, exactly. Very nice. And the other one would be, it's just an Instagram at the moment. It was just this fun project I was doing um, during Corona. I sat in parks and just with a sign that said, you know, having a hard time, come talk to me. Aww. And wow. so around that, I built a little Instagram and that's at pop.up.friend. Pop up friend. Oh, neat. That's so cool. I'm going to go. So you haven't done that in the last while. No, it's logistical reasons. The one park that I went to changed the rules. So now buskers have to apply for like a permit in advance and you have to be an artist to qualify and yada, yada, yada. Oh my gosh. That's funny that that is considered a busking thing, but okay. Yes. (laughs) It's Germany. Yeah, that's fair. Bureaucracy. (laughs) I'm going to find it though. I'm going to go look for it. See what you posted in the past. Yeah. Well, we'll put that in the show notes here too. People can find the links. Yeah. So everyone listening, I mean, feel free to reach out to Dee. You can find her there in in the Puttyverse. Just search for D-E-E and uh, you'll see her. Wonderful to get to know you. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, maybe we'll have you back again someday. Talk about some more of your projects and wherever you're at at that point. If you're into... If you're back in high school or <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm having this Drew Barrymore moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think that's awesome. But yes, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Cheers. Dankeschön. Yeah, Dankeschön. <laughs> bitte, bitte.